Chapter Twenty Two of The Hidden Hand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bridget. The Hidden Hand by E. D. E. N. Southworth. Chapter Twenty Two. The Smuggler and Capitola. Come by of me, come by, come by, by lads, or else the lassies cry. I have lawns as white as snow, silk as black as e'er was crow, gloves as sweet as damask roses, veils for faces, musk for noses, pins and needles made of steel. All you need from head to heel. Shakespeare. If I am not allowed to walk or ride out alone, I shall gang daft. I know I shall. Was ever such a dull, lonesome, humdrum place as this same Hurricane Hall? complained Cap, as she sat sewing with Mrs. Condiment in the housekeeper's room. You don't like this quiet country life? inquired Mrs. Condiment. No, no better than I do a quiet country graveyard. I don't want to return to dust before my time, I tell you, said Cap, yawning dismally over her work. I hear you, vixen, roared the voice of old Hurricane, who presently came storming in and saying, If you want to ride, go and get ready quickly and come with me. I am going down to the water mill, please the Lord, to warn Hopkins off the premises. Worthless villain! Had my grain there since yesterday morning, and hasn't sent it home yet. Shan't stay in my mill another month. Come, Cap, be off with you and get ready. The girl did not need a second bidding, but flew to prepare herself, while the old man ordered the horses. In ten minutes more, Capitola and Major Warfield cantered away. They had been gone about two hours, and it was almost time to expect the return, and Mrs. Condiment had just given orders for the tea table to be set, when Wool came into her room and said there was a sailor at the hall door with some beautiful foreign goods which he wished to show to the ladies of the house. A sailor, Wool, a sailor with foreign goods for sale? I am very much afraid he's one of these smugglers I've heard tell of, and I'm not sure about the right of buying from smugglers. However, I suppose there's no harm in looking at his goods. You may call him in, Wool, said the old lady, tampering with temptation. He do look like a smudgler, that's a fact, said Wool, whose ideas of the said craft were purely imaginary. I don't know him to be a smuggler, and it's wrong to judge, particularly beforehand, said the old lady, nursing ideas of rich silks and satins, imported free of duty, and sold at half price, and trying to deceive herself. While she was thus thinking, the door opened, and Wool ushered in a stout, jolly-looking tar, dressed in a white pea-jacket, duck trousers, and tarpaulin hat, and carrying in his hand a large pack. He took off his hat and scraped his foot behind him, and remained standing before the housekeeper, with his head tied up in a red bandana handkerchief, and his chin sunken in a red comforter that was wound around his throat. "'Sit down, my good man, and rest while you show me the goods,' said Mrs. Condiment who, whether he were smuggler or not, was inclined to show the traveller all lawful kindness. The sailor scraped his foot again, sat down on a low chair, put his hat on one side, drew the pack before him, untied it, and first displayed a rich golden-hued fabric, saying, "'Now here, ma'am, is a rich china silk I bought in the streets of Shanghai, where the long-legged chickens come from. Come now, I'll ship it off cheap.' "'Oh, that is a great deal too gay and handsome for an old woman like me,' said Mrs. Condiment." "'Well, ma'am, perhaps there's young ladies in the fleet. "'Now this would rig out a smart young craft as gay as a clipper. "'Better take it, ma'am. I'll ship it off cheap.' "'Well,' said Mrs. Condiment, turning to the servant, "'go down to the kitchen, and call up the house-servants. "'Perhaps they would like to buy something.' "'As soon as Wool had gone, and the good woman was left alone with the sailor, "'she stooped and said, "'I did not wish to inquire before the servant-man, "'but, my good sir, I do not know whether it is right to buy from you.' "'Why so, ma'am?' asked the sailor, with an injured look. "'Why, I am afraid. I am very much afraid you risk your life and liberty in an unlawful trade.' 
"'Oh, ma'am, on my soul, these things are honestly come by, "'and you have no right to accuse me,' said the sailor, "'with a look of subdued indignation. "'I know I haven't, and I meant no harm. "'But did these goods pass through the custom-house?' "'Oh, ma'am, now that's not a fair question. "'It is as I suspected. "'I cannot buy from you, my good friend. "'I do not judge you. "'I don't know whether smuggling is right or wrong, "'but I know that it is unlawful, "'and I cannot feel free to encourage any man "'in a traffic in which he risks his life and liberty, poor fellow.' "'Oh, ma'am,' said the sailor, evidently on the brink of bursting into laughter, "'if we risk our lives, sure, it's our own business. "'And if you've no scruples on your own account, you needn't have any on ours.' While he was speaking, the sound of many shuffling feet was heard along the passage, and the room was soon half filled with colored people come in to deal with the sailor. "'You may look at these goods, but you must not buy anything.' "'Lor, Mrs. Why?' asked little Pitapat. "'Because I want you to lay out all your money with my friend Mr. Crash at Tip-Top.' "'But after de good gentleman has had de trouble,' said Pitpat, "'He shall have his supper and a mug of ale, and go on his journey,' said Mrs. Condiment. The sailor arose, and scraped his foot behind him, in acknowledgment of this kindness, and began to unpack his wares, and display them all over the floor. And while the servants, in wonder and delight, examined these treasures, and inquired their prices, a fresh young voice was heard caroling along the hall, and the next moment Capitola, in her green riding habit and hat, entered the room. She turned her mischievous gray eyes about, pursed up her lips, and asked Mrs. Condiment if she were about to open Fancy Bazaar. "'No, my dear Miss Capitola, it is a sailor with foreign goods for sale,' answered the old lady. "'A sailor with foreign goods for sale? Umph! Yes, I know. Isn't he a smuggler?' whispered Capitola. "'Indeed, I'm afraid so, my dear. In fact, he don't deny it,' whispered back the matron. "'Well, I think it's strange a man that smuggles can't lie. "'Well, I don't know, my dear. Maybe he thinks it's no harm to smuggle, and he knows it would be a sin to lie. "'But where's your uncle, Miss Capitola?' "'Gone around to the stable to blow Jem up for mounting on a lame horse. "'He swears Jem shall find another master before to-morrow's sun sets. "'But now I want to talk to that bold buccaneer. "'Say, you, sir, show me your foreign goods. "'I'm very fond of smugglers myself. "'You are right, my dear young girl. "'You would give poor sailors some little chance to turn an honest penny. "'Certainly, brave fellows, show me that splendid fabric that shines like cloth of gold.' "'This, my young lady, this is a real, genuine china silk. "'I bought it myself in my last cruise in the streets of Shanghai, "'where the long-legged chickens and fast young men come from. "'I know the place. I've been along there,' interrupted Capitola, "'her gray eyes glittering with mischief. "'This, you will perceive, young lady, is an article that cannot be purchased anywhere except "'from the manufactory of foreign goods in the city of New York, "'or from their traveling agents. "'Oh, my dear young lady, how you wronged me! "'This article came from—' "'The factory of Messrs. Hocus and Pocus, "'corner of Cant and Cummet Street, city of Gotham. "'Oh, my dear young lady! "'Look here, my brave buccaneer. "'I know all about it. "'I told you I'd been along there,' said the girl, "'and turning to Mrs. Condiment, she said, "'See here, my dear, good soul, "'if you want to buy that India silk "'that you are looking at so longingly, "'you may do it with a safe conscience. "'True, it never passed through the custom-house, "'because it was made in New York. "'I know all about it.' All these foreign goods are manufactured at the North, and sent by agents all over the country. These agents dress and talk like sailors, and assume a mysterious manner on purpose to be suspected of smuggling, because they know well enough fine ladies will buy much quicker and pay much more if they only fancy they are cheating Uncle Sam and buying foreign goods from a smuggler at half price. So then, you are not a smuggler after all? said Mrs. Condiment, looking almost regretfully at the sailor. "'Why, ma'am, you know I told you you were accusing me wrongfully. "'Well, but really now, there was something about you that looked sort of suspicious.' 
"'What did I tell you? A look put on on purpose,' said Cap. "'Well, he knows that if he wanted to pass for a smuggler, it didn't take here,' said Mrs. Condiment. "'No, that it didn't,' muttered the object of these commentaries. "'Well, my good man, since you are, after all, an honest peddler, just hand me that silk, and don't ask me an unreasonable price for it, because I'm a judge of silks, and I won't pay more than it is worth,' said the old lady. "'Madam, I leave it to your own conscience. You shall give me just what you think it's worth.' Humph. "'That's too fair by half. I begin to think this fellow is worse than he seems,' said Capitola to herself. After a little hesitation a price was agreed upon, and the dress bought. Then the servants received permission to invest their little change in ribbons, handkerchiefs, tobacco, snuff, or whatever they thought they needed. When the purchases were all made, and the peddler had done up his diminished pack, and replaced his hat upon his head, and was preparing to leave, Mrs. Condiment said, "'My good man, it is getting very late, and we do not like to see a traveller leave our house at this hour. Pray remain until morning, and then, after an early breakfast, you can pursue your way in safety.' "'Thank you kindly, ma'am, but I must be far on my road to-night,' said the peddler. "'But, my good man, you are a stranger in this part of the country, and don't know the danger you run,' said the housekeeper. "'Danger, ma'am, in this quiet country?' "'Oh, dear, yes, my good man, particularly with your valuable pack.' "'Oh, my good gracious!' cried the old lady, with an appalled look. "'Indeed, ma'am, you—you make me sort of uneasy. "'What danger can there be for a poor, peaceful peddler pursuing his path?' "'Oh, my good soul, may heaven keep you from—Black Donald.' "'Black Donald? Who's he?' "'Oh, my good man, he's the awfulest villain that ever went unhung. "'Black Donald? Black Donald! Never heard that name before in my life. "'Why is the fellow called Black Donald?' "'Oh, sir, he's called Black Donald for his black soul, black deeds, and—and and also, I believe, for his jet-black hair and beard.' "'Oh, my countrymen, what a falling up was there!' exclaimed Capitola, at this anti-climax. "'And how shall I keep from meeting this villain?' asked the peddler. "'Oh, sir, how can I tell you? You never can form an idea where he is or where he isn't. Only think, he may be in our midst any time, and we not know it.' Why, only yesterday, the desperate villain handcuffed the very sheriff in the very courtyard. Yet I wonder the sheriff did not know him at once. For my own part, I'm sure I should know Black Donald the minute I clapped my two looking eyes on him. Should you, ma'am? Yes, indeed, by his long, black hair and beard. They say it is half a yard long. Now a man of such a singular appearance as that must be easily recognized. Of course. Then you never met this wretch face to face? He? Me? Am I standing here alive? "'Do you suppose I should be standing here if ever I had met that demon? "'Why, man, I never leave this house, even in the daytime, "'except with two bulldogs and a servant, for fear I should meet Black Donald. "'I know if ever I should meet that demon, I should drop dead with terror. "'I feel I should. "'But maybe now, ma'am, the man may not be so bad after all. "'Even the devil is not so bad as he is painted. "'The devil may not be, but Black Donald is.' "'What do you think of this outlaw, young lady?' asked the peddler, turning to Capitola. "'Why, I like him,' said Cap. "'You do?' "'Yes, I do. I like men whose very names strike terror into the hearts of commonplace people.' "'Oh, Miss Black!' exclaimed Mrs. Condiment. "'Yes, I do, ma'am. And if Black Donald were only as honest as he is brave, I should quite adore him. So there. And if there is one person in the world I should like to see, it is Black Donald.' "'Do you really wish to see him?' asked the peddler, looking intently into the half-earnest, half-satirical face of the girl." "'Yes, I do wish to see him, above all things.' "'And do you know what happened to the rash girl who wished to see the devil?' "'No, what did?' "'She saw him.' "'Oh, if that's all, I dare it. "'And if wishing will bring me the sight of this notorious outlaw, "'lo, I wish it, 
"'I wish to see Black Donald,' said Capitola. The peddler deliberately arose, and put down his pack and his hat. Then he suddenly tore off the scarf from his neck, and the handkerchief from his head, lifted his chin, and shook loose a great rolling mass of black hair and beard, drew himself up, struck an attitude, called up a look, and exclaimed, "'Behold, Black Donald!' With a piercing shriek, Mrs. Condiment swooned and fell to the floor. The poor negroes, men and maids, were struck dumb and motionless with consternation. Capitola gazed for one lost moment in admiration and curiosity. In the meantime, Black Donald quickly resumed his disguises, took up his pack, and walked out of the room. Capitola was the first to recover her presence of mind. The instinct of the huntress possessed her. Starting forward, she exclaimed, "'Pursue him! Catch him! Come with me! Cowards, will you let a robber and murderer escape?' And she ran out and overtook the outlaw in the middle of the hall. With the agile leap of a little terrier, she sprang up behind him, seized the thick collar of his pea-jacket with both hands, and, drawing up her feet, hung there with all her weight, crying, "'Help! Murder! Murder! Help! Come to my aid! I've caught Black Donald!' He could have killed her instantly, in any one of a dozen ways. He could have driven in her temples with the blow of his sledgehammer fist. He could have broken her neck with the grip of his iron fingers. He only wished to shake her off without hurting her. A difficult task— for there she hung, a dead weight at the collar of his coat at the back of his neck. "'Oh, very well,' he cried, laughing aloud. "'Such adhesiveness I never saw. You stick to me like a wife to her husband. So if you won't let go, I shall have to take you along, that's all. So here I go like Christian with his bundle of sin on his back.' And loosing the upper button of his pea-jacket, so as to give him more breath, and putting down his peddler's pack to relieve him as much as possible, the outlaw strode through the hall door, down the steps, and down the evergreen avenue leading to the woods. Capitola still clinging to the back of his coat-collar, with feet drawn up, a dead weight, and still crying, "'Help! Murder! I've caught Black Donald, and I'll die before I'll let him go!' "'You're determined to be an outlaw's bride, that's certain.' "'Well, I've no particular objection,' cried Black Donald, roaring with laughter as he strode on. It was a thing to see, not hear, that brave, rash, resolute imp, clinging like a terrier, or a crab, or a briar, on to the back of that gigantic ruffian, whom, if she had no strength to stop, she was determined not to release. They had nearly reached the foot of the descent, when a great noise and hallooing was heard behind them. It was the negroes, who, having recovered from their panic, and armed themselves with guns, pistols, swords, pokers, tongs, and pitchforks, were now in hot pursuit, and cries of, "'Black Donald! Black Donald! Black Donald!' filled the air. "'I've got him! I've got him! Help! Help! Quick! Quick!' screamed Capitola, clinging closer than ever. Though still roaring with laughter at the absurdity of his position, Black Donald strode on faster than before, and was in a fair way of escape, when, lo, suddenly coming up the path in front of him, he met— Old Hurricane. As the troop of miscellaneously armed negroes running down the hill were still making Eve hideous with yells of Black Donald, and Capitola still clinging and hanging on at the back of his neck continued to cry, I've caught him! Help! Help! Something like the truth flashed in a blinding way upon Old Hurricane's perceptions. Roaring forth something between a recognition and a defiance, the old man threw up his fat arms, and as fast as age and obesity would permit, ran up the hill to intercept the outlaw. There was no time for trifling now. The army of negroes was at his heels, the old veteran in his path, the girl clinging a dead weight to his jacket behind. An idea suddenly struck him, which he wondered had not done so before. Quickly unbuttoning and throwing off his garment, he dropped both jacket and captor behind him on the ground. And before Capitola had picked herself up, 
Black Donald, bending his huge head and shoulders forward, and making a battering ram of himself, ran with all his force and butted Old Hurricane in the stomach, pitching him into the horse-pond, leaped over the park fence, and disappeared in the forest. What a scene! What a row followed the escape and flight of the famous outlaw! Who can imagine, far less describe it, a general tempest in which every individual was a particular storm? There stood the baffled Capitola, extricating her head from the pea-jacket, and with her eyes fairly flashing out sparks of anger, exclaiming, "'Oh, wretches, wretches that you are! If you'd been worth salt, you could have caught him while I clung to him so!' There wallowed old Hurricane, spluttering, floundering, half-drowning, in the horse-pond, making the most frantic efforts to curse and swear as he struggled to get out. There stood the crowd of negroes brought to a sudden stand by a panic of horror at seeing the dignity of their master so outraged. And most frenzied of all, there ran wool around and around the margin of the pond, in a state of violent perplexity, how to get his master out without half-drowning himself. Blurr! Flitch! Flitch! Blurr! spluttered and sneezed and strangled old Hurricane, as he floundered to the edge of the pond. Burr! Help me out, you scoundrel! I'll break every bone in your filch body! Do you hear me? Ka-snish! Villain, you! Filch! Filch! Ka-snish! Oh! Wool, with his eyes starting from his head, and his hair standing up with terrors of all sorts, plunged at last into the water, and pulled his old master up upon his feet. Kasnish! Kasnish! Blur! Filch! What are you gaping there for, as if you'd raised the devil, you crowd of born fools? bawled old Hurricane, as soon as he could get the water out of his mouth and nose. What are you standing there for? After him! After him, I say! Scour the woods in every direction! His freedom to any man who brings me Black Donald, dead or alive! Wool. Yes, sir, said that functionary, who was busying himself with squeezing the water out of his master's garments. Wool, let me alone. Take the fleetest horse in the stable. Ride for your life to the courthouse. Tell Keep to have new bills posted everywhere, offering an additional five hundred dollars for the apprehension of that, 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 for the want of a word strong enough to express himself. Old Hurricane suddenly stopped, and, for the lack of his stick to make silence emphatic, he seized his gray hair with both hands, and groaned aloud. Wool waited no second bidding, but flew to do his errand. Capitola came to the old man's side, saying, "'Uncle, hadn't you better hurry home? You'll take cold.' "'Cold? Cold! Demi, I never was so hot in my life!' cried the old man. "'But, Demi, you're right. Run to the house, Capitola, and tell Mrs. Condiment to have me a full suit of dry clothes before the fire in my chamber. Go, child. Every man Jack is off after Black Donald, and there is nobody but you and Condiment and the housemaids to take care of me. Stop!' Look for my stick first. Where did that black demon throw it? Demi, I'd as well be without my legs. Capitola picked up the old man's cane and hat, and put the one on his head, and the other in his hand, and then hastened to find Mrs. Condiment, and tell her to prepare to receive her half-drowned patron. She found the old lady scarcely recovered from the effects of her recent fright, but ready on the instant to make every effort in behalf of old Hurricane, who presently after arrived dripping wet at the house. Leaving the old gentleman to the care of his housekeeper, we must follow Black Donald. Hatless and coatless, with his long black hair and beard blown by the wind, the outlaw made tracks for his retreat, occasionally stopping to turn and get breath, and send a shout of laughter after his baffled pursuers. That same night, at the usual hour, the gang met at their rendezvous, the deserted inn, beside the old road through the forest. They were in the midst of their orgies around the supper-table when the well-known ringing step of the leader sounded under the black windows without. The door was burst open, and the captain, hatless, coatless, with his dark elf-locks flying, and every sign of haste and disorder, rushed into the room. 
He was met by a general rising and outcry. Hi, hello, what's up? exclaimed every man, starting to his feet and laying hands upon secret arms, prepared for instant resistance. For a moment Black Donald stood with his leonine head turned and looking back over his stalwart shoulders, as if in expectation of pursuit, and then, with a loud laugh, turned to his men, exclaiming, Ho, so you thought me followed. So I have been, but not as close as hound to heel. "'In fact, Captain, you look as if you'd but escaped with your skin this time,' said Hal. "'Faith, the Captain looks well peeled,' said Stephen. "'Worse than that, boys, worse than that. Your chief has not only lost his pack, his hat, and his coat, but—his heart. "'Not only are the outworks battered, but the citadel itself is taken. "'Not only has he been captured, but captivated, and all by a little minx of a girl.' "'Boys, your chief is in love!' exclaimed Black Donald, throwing himself into his seat at the head of the table, and quaffing off a large draw of ale. "'Hip-hip hurrah! Three times three for the captain's love!' cried Hale, rising to propose the toast, which was honoured with enthusiasm. "'Now tell us all about it, Captain. Who is she? Where did you see her? Is she fair or dark, tall or short, thin or plump? What's her name? And is she kind?' asked Hale. First, guess where I have been to-day?' "'You and your demon only know.' I guess they also know at Hurricane Hall, for it is there I have been. Well, then, why didn't you go to perdition at once, exclaimed Hale, in a consternation that was reflected in every countenance present. Why, because when I go there I intend to take you all with me and remain, answered Black Donald. Tell us about the visit to Hurricane Hall, said Hale. Whereupon Black Donald commenced, and concealing only the motive of his visit, gave his comrades a very graphic, spicy, and highly colored narrative of his adventure at Hurricane Hall and particularly of his passage at arms with the little witch, Capitola, whom he described as, "'Such a girl, slender, petite, lithe, with bright black ringlets dancing round a little face full of fun, frolic, mischief, and spirit, and bright eyes, quick and vivacious as those of a monkey, darting hither and thither, from object to object.' "'The captain is in love, sure enough,' said Steve. "'Bravo! Here's success to the captain's love. She's a brick,' shouted the men. "'Oh, she is,' assented their chief, with enthusiasm." "'Long life to her! Three times three for the pretty witch of Hurricane Hall!' roared the men, rising to their feet and waving their full mugs high in the air, before pledging the toast. "'That is all very well, boys, but I want more substantial compliments than words. Boys, I must have that girl.' "'Who doubts it, Captain? Of course you will take her at once if you want her,' said Hale, confidently. "'But I must have help in taking her.' "'Captain, I volunteer for one,' exclaimed Hale. "'And I for another,' added Stephen. "'And you, Dick?' inquired the leader." turning toward the sullen man, whose greater atrocity had gained for him the name of Demon Dick. "'What is the use of volunteering when the captain has only to command?' said this individual, sulkily. "'Aye, when the enterprise is simply robbing of a mail-coach, in which you all have equal interest, then indeed your captain has only to command, and you to obey. But this is a more delicate matter of entering a lady's chamber and carrying her off for the captain's arms, and so should only be entrusted to those whose feelings of devotion to the captain's person prompt them to volunteer for the service, said Black Donald. How elegantly our captain speaks! He ought to be a lawyer, said Steve. The captain knows I'm with him for everything, said Dick sulkily. Very well, then, for a personal service like this, a delicate service requiring devotion, I should scorn to give commands. I thank you for your offered assistance, my friends, and shall count on you three, Hale, Richard, and Stephen, for the enterprise, said the captain. Ay, 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 said the three men, in a breath. For the time and place and manner of the seizure of the girl we must reflect. Let us see. There is to be a fair in the village next week, during the session of the court. Old Hurricane will be at court, as usual, and for one day at least, 
His servants will have a holiday to go to the fair. They will not get home until the next morning. The house will be ill-guarded. We must find out the particular day and night when this shall be so. Then you three shall watch your opportunity, enter the house by stealth, conceal yourselves in the chamber of the girl, and at midnight, when all is quiet, gag her and bring her away. Excellent, said Hale. And mind, no liberty, except the simple act of carrying her off, is to be taken with your captain's prize, said the leader, with a threatening glare of his lion-like eye. Oh, no, no, not for the world. She shall be as sacred from insult as though she were an angel and we saints, said Hale, both the others assenting. And now, not a word more. We will arrange the further details of this business hereafter, said the captain, as a peculiar signal was given at the door. Waving his hand for the men to keep their places, Black Donald went out and opened the back passage door, admitting Colonel Lenore. Well, said the latter anxiously, well, sir, I have contrived to see her. Come into the front room, and I will tell you all about it, said the outlaw, leading the way into the old parlor that had been the scene of so many of their conspiracies. Does Capitola Lenore still live? hoarsely demanded the colonel. As the two conspirators reached the parlor, still live? Yes, t'was but yesterday we agreed upon her death. Give a man time. Sit down, colonel. Take the seat. We will talk the matter over again. With something very like a sigh of relief, Colonel Lenore threw himself into the offered chair. Black Donald drew another chair up, and sat down beside his patron. "'Well, Colonel, I have contrived to see the girl as I told you,' he began. "'But you have not done the deed. When will it be done?' "'Colonel, my patron, be patient. Within twelve days I shall claim the last installment of the ten thousand dollars agreed upon between us for this job.' "'But why so long, since it is to be done? Why not have it over at once?' said Colonel Lenore, starting up and pacing the floor impatiently. "'Patience, my colonel. The cat may play with the mouse most delightfully before devouring it. What do you mean? My colonel, I have seen the girl, under circumstances that has fired my heart with an uncontrollable desire for her.' "'Ha, ha, ha!' scornfully laughed the colonel. Black Donald, the mail-robber, burglar, outlaw, the subject of the grand passion.' "'Why not, my colonel? Listen, you shall hear. "'And then you shall judge whether or not you yourself "'might not have been fired by the fascinations of such a witch,' "'said the outlaw, who straightway commenced, "'and gave his patron the same account of his visit to Hurricane Hall "'he had already related to his comrades. "'The colonel heard the story with many a pish, tush, and pshaw, "'and when the man had concluded the tale, he exclaimed, "'Is that all? Then we may continue our negotiations. "'I care not. Carry her off. Marry her. Do as you please with her. Only—' At the end of all, kill her, hoarsely whispered Lenore. That is just what I intend, Colonel. That will do if the event be certain, but it must be certain. I cannot breathe freely while my brother's heiress lives, whispered Lenore. Well, Colonel, be content. Here is my hand upon it. In six days Capitola will be in my power. In twelve days you shall be out of hers. It is a bargain, said each of the conspirators in a breath, as they shook hands and parted, Lenore to his home, and Black Donald to join his comrades' revelry. End of chapter 22